You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. When we are doing that, we are reaching out to them to gather, to bring in, to to share what God has done in our lives so that if the Holy Spirit is working in their life, then we trust the Holy Spirit to do the work. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor, today joined by two amazing, wise men. First, we have Lead Pastor Jose Abaroa. Jose, thanks for being here. Why not a special guest today? I feel... Every, every week okay. we have special guests. I think I said special guests. No, Did I you not? said wise men. Okay. I'd rather be special than wise. <laughs> oh boy. I don't know about that. And then we also got Pastor of Spiritual Formation, Bob Moss, with us. Bob, thanks for being here. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for bringing I'm, the wisdom. I'm always glad to be here. <laughs> Y'all and both are very special. And we got a special episode. Uh, I'm already laughing. But uh, Jose, you had a great message yesterday talking about making disciples and the Great Commission. And there is so much I'm excited to unpack with both of you today. But first, Jose, I'd love for you to kind of kick things off by kind of sharing a little bit of, of kind of how we got here and your thoughts as you prepare the message. Sure. So last message of the series, it's simple. And I have to say that I (laughs) tried so hard and I hope I accomplished this, taking something that can be rather complex as discipleship. You ask 15 different people what discipleship is, you'll get different answers and lots of books on discipleship. The scriptures obviously full in the New Testament uh, on discipleship. And I really wanted to make it as simple as possible. So yeah, I looked at the Great Commission, looked at those three, um, go baptize and teach, and then under teach, three sub points, and then the postures of what a real you know, disciple really looks like. So um, tried to compact that all together. I was rather shocked when I looked down at my watch and saw that I had been talking for almost 40 minutes. Sheesh, and no one waved me down. Come on, guys. Oh, it was good. You don't need to help me out, so... Yeah, no, it was good. And I'd love to kind of, we're going to talk a lot about, uh, you mentioned just earlier, the four postures of a disciple, kind of unpack each one of those because there is so much to talk about with discipleship. And I think one of the things I enjoyed, Jose, about you is the message was not necessarily focused on a lot of the how and the practical. You know, you touched on some resources that we can also touch on, but really it was focused on being a disciple. And Bob, I'd love to kind of hear your opinion on that as you have both been a part of being discipled as well as discipling a lot of people. What do you think is one of the the significant parts about focusing on on being a disciple? I think that is the whole key of what Jesus was teaching because unfortunately, I think we have taken that great commission and put the burden of responsibility on believers as being the ones that have to do the making of a disciple. And I, I just don't believe that that is our job. That is God's job. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. That is our responsibility. And I think the best example of that is in what Paul said when he told the people, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm -hmm. And that is how we make disciples. I have a question there, Bob, because I totally agree. And I think one of the things that we all need sometimes is to be pursued. 
And so what is the difference when you're making disciples? So when you're loving on someone, when you're pursuing someone, where is that line that you're talking about? Because I, 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 I agree what you're saying. And I think there is a line somewhere where you are pursuing someone and then you realize, okay, I'm, I'm out here. Or Right. I, I believe it can be summed up in, in the word fellowship. Many, many years ago, I heard a teaching where the man who was teaching, he's a good friend of mine, and I knew his life. I knew how he lived his life. And he said this. He said, fellowship with unbelievers is evangelism. Fellowship with believers is koinonia. Now, making disciples is fellowship with believers. And the koinonia that takes place is a communion with Jesus in the middle of the group. Now, when we fellowship with unbelievers and we are pursuing someone, when we are doing that, we are reaching out to them to gather, to bring in, to to share what God has done in our lives so that if the Holy Spirit is working in their life, mm-hmm. then we trust the Holy Spirit to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yep. yeah. That's really, really good. Something, Bob, you touched on as far as what Paul said about follow me as I follow Jesus. Jose, you said a similar message just as far as we start by loving God and loving people, and you can't start making disciples without loving God and following Jesus. And so uh, there's kind of four postures and I'd love to kind of hit each one. We've got honest, humble, hardworking, and honoring. So the first one here is honest. And I'd love to kind of hear both of y'all's thoughts on this as far as how this is an important posture to have as a disciple as you head into, you know, just discipleship relationships or just fellowshipping with other people. What is so important about being honest? Jose, maybe you want to take that first? Yeah, I'm actually going to talk about you, Bob, because I gave you a book to read. Remember the complete, um, I think it's called the exhaustive or complete book on discipleship. Anyway, it's a great book by Bill Hull, thick book. And I gave it to you a few months ago. I actually got it from JD or crosstalk pastor who told me about it. And I'll never forget it. You came into the office and you put that book down and then you gave us the uh, step study for CR. And you mentioned honesty, the importance of honesty in a discipleship relationship. How if we don't have honesty, then we can talk about all of these things. But if we're not honest with how we are, if we're not honest with our need for Christ as our Savior, as our Lord, then you really can't begin the process of discipleship in any other format. I agree with that 100%. Not just because I said it, but because that's what I've been taught. and That's what you live. Well, honesty and transparency go hand in hand. And honesty is facing the truth. It is the truth that sets us free. And the truth is not abstract. The truth is reality. Mm -hmm. The truth... For the truth is a person. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus takes the truth out of the realm of thought and thinking 
into the reality of a person, who he is. And we are being transformed from glory to glory, ever-increasing glory, to the degree that we are honest with God and one another, because out of that honesty, another word for honesty and truth is light, is we are walking in the light. That's right. Yeah, that is the answer. Yeah, Bob, you touched on two of those as far as being honest with with God, being honest with others, and then Jose. One thing that you mentioned a little bit yesterday was this idea of being honest with yourself, kind of just the idea of being real about how you're feeling, what you're going through. Kind of share maybe a little bit about the value of that. Yeah, I think a lot of times I respond out of my hurt, or I respond out of my insecurities, and when I do that without being aware of how I'm doing, then I'm not really seeing what is. Um, really motivating me to act one way or another. So when you do allow the Holy Spirit to examine your heart, then you got to face what's there. (laughs) And sometimes you don't want to face those things. You don't want to deal with the hurt. You don't want to move on. Sometimes our nature, we just want to stay stuck and play the victim card. It's just how we're wired. But God sees us as more than that. He took away our sin, not only our own faults, but also the stuff that others have done to us. So when we see ourselves the way that Jesus sees ourselves, wow, that's that's a new person. That's we can then learn in in you know that next part humility. Um, but I'm moving on. Um, <laughs> so so really being honest is being real about how you're doing, and then maybe why you're acting the way that you're acting. One of the things, and I know I've only been following Jesus for kind of my my short life. Uh, Bob, I'd love to hear from you and Jose. You're not far off, but as far as uh, when someone hears when I when I hear being honest with other people, we talked about being honest with God, being honest with ourselves, being honest with other people. Uh, I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but there's so many times I don't want to do that because of my pride or just because I don't maybe trust someone. So, what are maybe some what is some encouragement you would give to someone that you know? Yeah, they know they should be honest in a church setting or in you know in a in a relationship with someone, whether it's a community group leader or someone in there in their life, but but they just don't want to. I mean, that, that doesn't sound appealing and that's, you know, putting them at risk. Kind of what would, what would you maybe say and encourage them with that? Well, in Ephesians chapter four, verses 14 through 15 and 16, it describes the transition from being immature and being like an infant mm-hmm. and being transformed, how the church is in an infancy and then how it needs to be transformed into a mature body. So here's what it says in verse 15. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Christ. And that's what we want to do. But to get there, we've got to speak the truth in love. If we, if we ignore that, we're playing church. Yeah. We're just playing a game. Yeah. We're just going through religious mm-hmm. stuff. Exercises, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we're all nodding our heads because it's both true and convicting. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough yeah. to speak the truth in love sometimes. <clears throat> sometimes we don't want to uh, misspeak or feel like we're uh, judging other people, but it's not judging when it's, 
from a heart that wants the best for the other person. And that's koinonia and that's discipleship. That's Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. Um, we have to be willing to speak the truth in love um, sometimes. So not, well, all the times, but sometimes that's just harder to do. Well, in, in what you were talking about making judgment towards other people, I think speaking the truth in love is also speaking the truth about how God has transformed right. us, how we talk, we, we need to confess to other people this is how I was. This is what God has worked with in my life. And out of speaking truth about how you have been transformed, you are living testimony. You become a, a, the living word. Like Jesus, in the sense that he said, I am the truth. I'm the truth in the sense that God has taken me from a reprobate, a self-seeking, pleasure-seeking, perverted sinner, and he's transforming me into his likeness. Mm -hmm. to, to do that, the truth is he has to change me. And the process of change that takes place in our life is the truth that is our personal testimony. And if we're not willing to share that part of us, then we're only giving people a part of this story. Yeah, and we, in church, we should be the first to raise our hands when uh, someone is asking for honesty or humility because... If we are professing that Jesus is Lord, then we're professing that we need some someone to save us from something. So to your point, Bob, what is that something that he needs um, he needs to save you from? Mm -hmm. We need to be more vocal about that. This is why when I, I've known Rob for over 25 years, and when I learned about what he did on Easter Sunday at Cypress Creek Church, it yeah. blew me away because most pastors that I know, including myself, you know, Easter Sunday was the big Sunday. And that was the time to get up and, you know, if especially if you're ego-driven, you know, to really... <laughs> preach the word. Preach the word. <laughs> and Rob turns it over to two people to testify how God has transformed their lives on Easter stories. Sunday, resurrection stories. Mm -hmm. I was so impressed with that. It was unreal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it told me volumes about Rob Campbell. Mm -hmm. And that's the culture that we get to enjoy now yeah. in this church because that's of, right. because of uh, his decisions and what he prioritized. Yeah, so we got that's right. And his, his humility, which mm -hmm. is a segue to the second point. I don't know if it was as subtle as I was hoping, but uh, being humble 
We have honest and we have being humble. There's kind of two folds. One is the uh, recognition or willingness to change. And then another part here is just recognizing that we don't have to have it all together and we can have doubt and we can wrestle through our faith and our walk. So I'd love to hear um, both of y'all's thoughts on just the significance of humility. And we've already touched, I think, a little bit on it, but particularly when it comes to maybe just that first part about even just being willing to change to begin with. How do, how do we get there? How do we not only get there, but how do we maintain that as we go about our, our walk? I think of Paul when he says, I must decrease. No, John the Baptist said it. I must decrease so that he must increase. And it's that process of decreasing, decreasing our ego, decreasing our agenda. And the more we do that, the more he takes over and is truly Lord. So I know in my life, that is always been an issue, a struggle. I have my agenda. I am uh, driven. I'm ready to go, 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 go. And he's kind enough to stop me and remind me, hey, (laughs) this is about me. This isn't about you. You get to be a part of it and it's fulfilling and it's satisfying and it's fun and it's an adventure. This is about me, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we turn to him, um, when I turn to him, I see it clearer and I'm able to stop and, you know, rewire whatever I'm doing to make sure that it fits his his agenda, not mine. Amen. I think another word for humility that, epitomizes what humility is, is the word surrender. Mm -hmm. And to the degree that we surrender to God, to that degree, we are humbling ourselves. Mm -hmm. And in that humility, the more we surrender, the more grace God gives us, the more favor he shows to us and helps us understand what's really happening. So synonymous with humility is the word surrender. Yeah, yeah. And just tagging on that second part about just not having it together, I think that's just a temptation when you're around any group of people, but let alone that can trickle into the church as far as feeling like you've got to say the right thing or you've got to somehow get right before you can come to God. What do you think, maybe what would you encourage someone that's maybe in that place where they either feel like they're just not good enough to be open and vulnerable with people in the church or even just with God in itself? (laughs) <laughs> Bob's pointing at me. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to the club. We're all on the same boat. Yeah. We're all trying to figure this out. None of us have it all together. None of us are perfect. We're all on this journey together. God's given us different gifts. And I can speak now in, in this position as lead pastor. God's given me a gift to be in this place. And my job is to be faithful to him and graceful towards everyone that's called the son and daughter. And in my experience, church has become a, you got to get it right. And I think to that point is scripture teaches us that you have to bear fruit and you have to be faithful with the little and then more will be given to you. So that's where some of that comes in. But a heart of humility is obvious, you know, in our culture knows now, I mean, if you sense ego or if you sense pride, uh, it's it's easily seen nowadays. Um, and so don't worry about having it all together. Just come, as the old saying goes, come as you are. Jesus already knows. And then you're in the house of a lot of fellow sinners. Um, so welcome to the club. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the very first thing that is required in order to become a follower of Jesus is the acknowledgement of your need for a Savior. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous to repentance. I came to call sinners. Mm -hmm. The the physician doesn't come to heal the people that are well. He comes to heal the people who are sick. And until you realize that you're a member of a sick human race— Mm-hmm. You you won't see the need for a savior. Yeah, and I love just something that you shared yesterday, Jose, that stood out to me was just the idea that that's what Jesus did when he picked his disciples. And if you compare that with the Pharisees, I hadn't done that comparison before, but just thinking about how that whole system is, you've got to you know, show your worth, you've got to work towards something, you've got to prove yourself. And for Jesus, it's the opposite. It's the recognition, like you said, Bob, that we need a Savior. And that's what the disciples showed and their willingness to submit their lives to him and follow him, even if they didn't have it all figured out because they didn't. Right. In in, uh, Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives a stern warning. He says, be careful not to practice your acts of righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. (laughs) So what we do is not for being seen. It's to please the Father. Mm -hmm. It is to do whatever we do as unto the Lord and... Now, good deeds, if you practice good deeds, you're going to, you know, you have to do them in front of other people. But your acts of righteousness that he was talking about were those, you know, prayer, Mm -hmm. fasting, and giving, and things like that that you do unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really good. The third point, the third H was hard work. And I know, Jose, you, even as you introduced this, you said that, you know, I think some people can get behind the honesty and the humility, but the hard work piece, it's like, ooh, I don't know about that. But I'd love to hear both of your thoughts. And maybe I'll start with Bob, you this time, but just hearing how does it help to be reminded of the hard work that it requires to be a disciple of Jesus? Because I think that, you know, the idea of him up in the clouds and just kind of this tender guy that we can just kind of follow, but, but what is the significance of recognizing that this is going to take work to? To counter the culture, to counter um, just all the all the things that come with following Jesus. Well, we were talking before the podcast about the scripture where it says, "Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling." Um, we have a job to do, and that is to make every effort that we can to pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here, here's an interesting perspective on that that the writer to Hebrews gives us in Hebrews chapter 4. He says, let us strive or let us labor, therefore, to enter into the rest of God. Well, that sounds like a a contradiction almost. It's like we've got to strive, we've got to work, we've got to make effort to get to the place of rest. And the answer is yes, Mm -hmm. because we are working out 
the salvation of deliverance from the flesh. And, the, and our flesh is so, so wretched. You know, Paul called it in, in he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And he was talking about his flesh. He was talking about that sinful nature that every one of us have to deal with. And that is work. Mm -hmm. That takes a lot of work. But the goal is to come to a place where all of a sudden it's like riding a wave, you know, and you, uh, you just enjoy the ride. You enter into the rest. Yeah, and God made that wave. So that was that's the cross. That's the resurrection. That's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Right. When we are compelled by what he's done for us, yeah, the work is easy in comparison, for sure. Not easy in our, in our day-to-day because of our flesh, but we get to do this in community, and we get to do this as we uh, pursue Jesus together. And I think that sometimes, like you said, Taylor, you see the humility piece and you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm honest and humble, so I'm good. But then we, we forget about the hard work. Sanctification is work. Um, we are called to, like you said, uh, Bob, you know, strive to become more like Jesus. And, and that, that takes effort. So, yeah, yeah, that's really good. The last of the four was on honoring. So Jose, I'd love to give you the first word on this as far as the significance of that. You've touched on 2 Timothy 2 too, but just what does it look like to be a disciple that is honoring? You know, I wish I would have said this yesterday, but sitting here with you, Bob, is um, a great opportunity. And that is honoring you, honoring how you have been faithful to Jesus for so many years so many years through so many things, and yet you are faithfully following him transparently, honestly, and authentically. That's such a gift to me, starting out my first year as lead pastor. Um, you're, you're, you're the goal as far as I'm concerned and what I want to be like when I am further on in my years. And so if I don't have that perspective of honoring those that came before, it's easy to get focused on me and that this is really all about me. Uh, and I'm not just speaking positionally, I'm speaking for anyone. We can think that our faith, that our discipleship, that we're followers of Jesus for our own good. But the truth is, is that's, that's not the case. We're called to honor those that came before and honor those that will come next. So keeping that mindset is crucial because it's really not about us. So Bob, I honor you and I'm so grateful for you in my life. You just uh, completed first year right after me of uh, being on staff at Cypress and it's been such a joy and I'm looking forward to many, many, many more. Amen. I mean, I, I'm so blessed to be here and we we have such a... Uh, a broad spectrum of people on our staff and every one of them are worthy of honor in the sense that they have made sacrifices and uh, they are living role models mm -hmm. of 
what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They're team players. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know of any single one of them that is trying to be a leader in the sense of putting themselves out in front. Yeah, Everyone right. is there to serve, and I think uh, we need to honor that. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's so good. As we close up talking about a lot of uh, today was talking about being a disciple and I love kind of that focus, but also on making disciples. I'd love to hear both of y'all just kind of maybe an encouragement or just kind of maybe a, a word of advice. I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah. just kind of what is it? What is would be one way that it looks like as far as taking initiative and making disciples? Bob opened up by saying that making disciples is God's job. And I totally agree. And I would say pray and ask God to show you why he puts you where you are, the job that you are, family, neighborhood. God is specific and he knows where his workers are. And so pray to him and then look out for that one person to pursue, maybe a not yet believer or a believer that that is uh, more alone and then go. And if baptism is the next thing, then it's the next thing. I love that word baptism. It means immersion. So it also means immersing in the things of God, immersing them in the things of God with community, with Bible study, with love, grace, um, and then spend time in the word and allow the word to teach you. We have great resources on the guide, mm-hmm. still up ccc.guide, um, where you can find those discipleship tools that help us um, do that. So I would say pray, it's simple, but I think that God, uh, you'll be surprised um, how God opens up doors. Amen. Yeah, uh, I learned many, many years ago from a man named Carl Gallion who came to our area and was working with several churches. But he had a philosophy of ministry that I picked up on and I've been doing it ever since. And he would say, there are three things that I do. Number one, I spend time with people Number two, get to know them and find out where they are in their walk with the Lord. And number three, help them make the next step, whatever that is. And really, that is what discipleship is all about, is um, working and cooperating with God as he is working in people's lives to will and to act according to his good purpose. Great stuff, good stuff. Jose, I'd love to give you the last word, talking about as we recap the It's Simple series, and then maybe if you want to give us a little preview, maybe, of, sure. of what's to come. Yeah, well, this is our mission statement. Love God, love people, make disciples, so it ain't going nowhere. We will continue to talk about it. And I'm really excited about this next week in this next series coming up on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 through Matthew 7, we'll be reading Jesus's words and learning straight from his words as we take our time walking through these two amazing chapters. So I can't wait to see what we learn. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.